It's time to come out. It's time to come out. It's time to come out. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's look up. Father, we do thank you then for another opportunity, Lord, to break the bread of life in this sanctified place. Oh God, we ask you to crack open every heart, to open up every blinded eye, and to unstop every deaf ear. Oh God, we ask you to still and quiet the heart, that the word would be quick and powerful sharper than a two-edged sword that it would do the work that you have assigned it to do and not return unto you void. so we bless your name now we call you holy in jesus name this is our prayer and all the redeemed of god say what amen amen our scripture this morning was read so well uh the old testament uh reverend cedric stroud and the New Testament so well, uh, Sister Dolores Guy. The Old Testament, for the record, I will repeat it. Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 15, the Old Testament. And the New Testament is Matthew chapter 27, verses 42 through 50. And our theme today, we're, we're going to be looking at this. We're going to break it apart and see that it's time to come out. The scripture read this morning talked to us about how that Adam and Eve were living in the Garden of Eden with God and how that they enjoyed a relationship with him and how that he visited with them in the cool of the day and he would talk with them and they would see him face to face and I'm sure they would walk with him. And I must know that the relationship between the two of them, Adam and Eve, was in harmony. It was in one. The Bible says that God created man, and he said, man is good, very good. And so then, there is no evil inherent in us at this point in man's creation. But something happened along the way, and we became soiled and sullied and broken and wounded, and we began to hide and cover ourselves. How many of you are tired of hiding and covering yourself? Are you tired of your brokenness? Are you sick of your weary ways? Are you tired of hiding from your friends and family? You can't even look left and look right because your eyes are covered over with your sin, eyes cast to the ground when they ought to be looking up eye to eye and greeting one another with a holy kiss and with love and joy of Christ. But instead, we, we, we can't even look one another in the eye. So I'm saying that there was a harmony relationship between Adam and Eve where they were one-on-one -on -one with each other. They were eye to eye and they were in harmony one with their brothers and their sisters as we seek to be here in the kingdom of God. Also, they were one-on-one, eye-to-eye with God. Their vertical plane was one-on-one. -on -one. There was no breach. There was no brokenness. God could see them, and they could see him. 
And they would visit each other in the cool of the day. Now, I don't know what the cool of the day was. I don't know if it was in the morning or in the afternoon or in the evening. I don't know. But it was that time of the day when Adam and Eve would fix their hearts to receive what it was God had for them. They would fix themselves in such a way that they were not ashamed to come into the presence of the Lord. The thing about Adam and Eve was that they disobeyed God. You all know the scripture, verses 8 through 10, where it is that Adam and Eve began to explore other parts of the garden. Because God had clearly said, you may eat of every tree in the garden except the one. The one of the knowledge of good and evil. And so it seems that Eve one day was walking around in the garden and she came a little close over to that particular tree that God said, don't come near. He said, don't, don't eat of that tree. Well, I don't know if she was lured over there. May, may, maybe it had some bright neon signs on it. Uh, maybe it had a sale sign on it. You know, we, we go crazy for a sale sign. We see a sale sign, we hurry up and get over to where that place is. I, I don't know what it was in, in, in her spirit that lured her, but she went there. And before you know it, she was caught up in a conversation that was above her pay grade. She was caught up talking to the serpent. We know his name to be Satan. But at that time, he was the serpent, and he was running circles around her because she was not where she belonged. She shouldn't even have been in that part of the garden. So I don't know what it was that lured her there, but she went there. And before you know it, she's in a conversation. He says to her, did God really say not to eat of the fruit of that tree? So now what Satan has done is questioned her and challenged God. You know how he does with us. I wonder if that's what God would have me to do. I wonder if this is the right decision for this time in my life. Oh, I should, I should go and get some counseling from my friends. Oh, I, I should call somebody and, and, and do a, a Facebook and an Insta-face, what is it called? Instagram. <laughs> and talk to somebody, get, get some help, get, get some advice. I ought to go see a doctor. I ought to go somewhere and, and get some help. And we can get easily distracted when we take our eyes off of God. And that is exactly what she did. She took her eyes off of God's word. So before you know it, she touched it, ate it, and then gave it to her husband. The Bible says who was with her. Not like he was at home watching TV. He was with her in the garden. So they were walking together. And before you know it, the Bible says that their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked. Now in chapter 2 of Genesis, God said that he created male and female, created he them, and God blessed them. And the very last Verse in chapter 2 says they were both naked and not ashamed. They were naked because they were one with God. 
They had no shame or no remorse. There was no iniquity, no, no transgression between them and God. So they could look square eye to eye with one another on the horizontal plateau. Like you look over on the left side of the pew and the right side of the pew, you can look them in the eye. And they were in harmony with God on the vertical plateau. They could look up to God. Did you see it? It's the shape of the cross. It's the sign of the cross. And that's what Jesus has come to do. To reconcile us to one another on the horizontal plane and to God on the vertical plane. And so Adam and Eve find themselves now can't see God. They can't face God. They, they really can't even face one another. The Bible says that they, they got some fig leaves and, and tried to cover themselves. Now, you all know what a fig is, right? We like those Fig Newton cookies, and we like those fig bars. But, but those are uh, the, the, the cookies that are made from the fig. And so uh, the fig tree was obviously there and bearing fruit. She was near a fig tree. So they reached over and got some fig leaves. You ever seen a fig leaf? It's a good-sized leaf, depending on the age of the tree. It's a good-sized leaf. The Bible says that they, they, they put the fig leaves over their comely parts, that they covered themselves. Now, I don't know, but if it had been me, I probably would have gone for the banana tree. You ever seen a banana leaf? It's huge. Some of us need a little bigger leaf than a fig leaf. But I want to share with you some information about fig leaves. Fig leaves only do one thing. They only cover you on the horizontal plateau. They can't cover you on the vertical plane. That means that the fig leaf cannot blind God's eyes to your nakedness. The fig leaf cannot cover your sin from God's eye. He sees it. So the Bible says there in, in verses 8 through 10, it says that Adam and Eve had gotten the fig leaves and covered themselves, and here it is, the cool of the day again. And here comes God walking through the garden. And he calls out, he says, Adam, where are you? Adam says, look, horizontal plane. I'm hiding. You're not supposed to be able to see me, God. I'm, I'm hiding. I got the fig leaf on me. I've covered up my sin. I've laid aside that stuff that used to make me ashamed, and now I've covered it over with this fig leaf, so you're not supposed to be able to see me. You know, we, we still wear fig leaves today. We wear a whole lot of fig leaves today. I, 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 I know that some of us will cover it over with one thing and then another. And that's how Satan will do. The world has so many fig leaves for us to choose from. It's figology. Figology will tell you, oh, you can cover it over with this particular salary. We can cover your sin with this particular income bracket. We can cover your sin with this particular body build, this particular physique. You know, you go to the gym and train it up and tone it up and tighten it up and you looking so good, we don't believe you got any sin or any remorse on your soul. 
because you've covered it with that, that, that physique fig leaf. And then we got another fig leaf about our accomplishment. You know, all those alphabets behind my name. That's another fig leaf that we like to use. Well, Satan told Adam and Eve, he said, y'all go ahead and get, get a fig leaf covered up. God comes by and says, where, where are you? Now, at this point, their souls were still one with God. And that's what God wanted to preserve. How do we know their souls are one with God? Well, the Bible says that Adam said, look, I was hiding because I was naked. Adam knew how to hide. Fig leafology tells you how to hide. But it does not allow you to lie. You see, Adam knew how to hide. He knew how to cover, but he did not know how to lie. If he knew how to lie, he would have made up another story to tell God. But don't you see how important it is for us to know that we are not able to lie, not to ourselves. I can lie to you, and I can lie to her, and I can lie to community, and I can lie to my boss. I can lie to a lot of people, but I cannot lie to God. That is where God holds the sanctity of our soul. That is why he is the keeper of our soul. It is in the soul where the psyche decides to do what is morally correct or morally incorrect. It is in the soul where one makes the decision to obey God's word or not to obey God's word. And then it is the spirit of God that dwells in us by the birth of the Holy Spirit that keeps us continuing in the holding pattern where our soul is safe. Adam and Eve were not safe anymore. Some of you may not feel safe anymore. Feel like your fig leaves are drying up, turning brown like the leaves in the fall. You know, fig leaves will do that to you. They'll get old just like you. And they're not able to cover you anymore. The salary starts to diminish. The muscles start to get flabby. Uh-huh. The swagger starts to leave. The wellness starts to disappear. Fig leaves are drying up. That's just a little figology. But God is very gracious to us. He's very kind to us. God said, get out. You say, oh, now, Reverend, that's not nice. But God said, get out. Why did God put them out of the garden? He put them out of the garden so that they could not eat of the tree, the other tree of eternal life. You see, now that they understand the difference between right and wrong in the eyes of God and how injurious it is to the spirit, to the soul, and to our relationship with God to go against his word, now they understand and they see what the penalty is for disobeying God. We don't like it. Because it makes us ashamed of ourselves. It makes us not able to come in here on Sunday and look one another in the eye. It stifles our voice when we want to sing or preach or praise. Even to minister or to talk. To say good morning at the door as an usher. It stifles us in our music ministry. On the keyboard, oh I know you know what I'm talking about. 
It stifles us in the culinary ministry. The food didn't even taste good that day. Cake didn't turn out right. Iniquity has found us. We are blemished, broken, and wounded. So God put us out. He put Adam and Eve out of the garden to protect them so that they would not eat of the tree of eternal life and be eternally lost. It was a state that God could not redeem them from. But we still have a chance as long as we're walking and talking on this side of Jordan. You can still come out from under the burden of your sin. It's not too late. Doesn't matter how long you've been journeying this Christian way. Doesn't matter how many years you've been a member of the church. Doesn't matter the, the office you hold. Doesn't matter the title you carry. You can still come out from the hiding place. We're broken saints. And we need to be healed. And the only way to get healed is through the word of God. Now we can read our Bibles. And we can go to the Bible study. But the only thing that covers our sin is the blood of Jesus Christ. And so God makes a provision. Before he puts them out of the garden, he gives them a promise. And so today I echo that promise to you. And in verse 15 of chapter 3 in Genesis, God says this. He says, I will put enmity between your seed and his seed. And I will curse you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Ah, let's take a look at that text. You've read it many, many times. And if you don't look at it right, you will think that Satan is crushing your head. But it is not so. The text puts it this way. In verse 15, it says that the seed of the woman, who is Jesus Christ, the promised, the proto-evangelic promise, the promise of our salvation before flesh was even come to life through Jesus, that Jesus would shatter the head of the serpent. That's what God is saying in Genesis 3.15. That the serpent will be shattered, crushed, and destroyed. That Jesus will take his foot and stomp on his head. But in stomping, Jesus gets bruised. You see that? He gets bruised in the process. And we're now journeying through the 40 days of Lent. This is the first Sunday of Lent, the Lenten season. And at the end of 40 days, we will celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But we are reminded today of the passion of our Lord Jesus, of how that he took onto himself all of the sins of the whole world. 
He became in that instance on the cross the propitiation or the substitute for our sins. We can't use fig leaves anymore, saints. We can only be healed, be cleansed, be renewed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, now, how do you get the blood of Jesus Christ on your soul? How do you get Jesus into your life? Oh, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked. The way we get Jesus Christ into our soul is to profess and declare and confess that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of the Father and that Jesus Christ bled and died on the cross and that he rose again on the third day and is now seated on the right hand of the Father in heaven. That is how we get the sins off of our immortal souls. Now, does that mean that we never, never sin again? No. That means that our souls have been bought by the blood of Jesus and that we can never be lost. Jesus told the Father, he said, Father, I have lost none that you have given me except one, and that is the son of perdition. That's only Satan. You are not able to be lost once you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's good news. Somebody need to shout right there. That's enough right there to get you up out of your seat. The fact that Jesus Christ is our Savior forever, you cannot be lost. Oh, but Reverend, why am I so miserable? Ah, uh, we're miserable because we're walking around with the fig leaves on. We're miserable because we're trying to lie to ourselves. We're trying to separate ourselves from the truth of God. God says in John 14 and 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, no man comes to the Father except by me. We can't get there any other way. But some of us are in misery because we're trying to get there another way. Doesn't matter how many days you come and sit on the church pew. Doesn't matter how many years that you have served in the church and worked on the board. It doesn't matter how much money you put in the offering or how many chandeliers you buy for the church. It does not matter. It only matters that you give your heart to God, that you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That is what saves us. There is no other way. We can't lie about it. If Adam could have lied, I'm sure he would. But a lie would separate you from God. This is why Satan is the father of lies. There is no union, no junction, no fellowship between God and anyone who is practicing lying. Did you know I used to be a liar? I did. I used to be a liar. This is about 20 years ago I got delivered from lying. God delivered my soul from lying. Now, have I lied since? Uh, let's see. Yeah. <laughs> but the difference is, I repent. You understand? You, you, you can't live in a lie. You cannot continue in a lie. You understand? That's the process of repentance, saying. The process of repentance does not let you continue in the thing. Because of God's grace and God's mercy, he gives you a way of escape. 
Amen. From every temptation, the Bible says God has given us a way of escape. Your way of escape is waiting right now today. This word is for you. If you need to know how to journey through these next 40 days until Lent, examine yourselves. And if indeed you find that there's a spot or a wrinkle or a stain anywhere, then this is the time to come out. Come out, come out, wherever you are. We, we used to play a game when I was a kid. Uh, we used to play something called hide and seek. Y'all play that game? We, we used to play hide and seek. You know, somebody would be it. And then the rest of us would go and hide. Now, the person who was it was like a monster. And you didn't want it to touch you. And you had to get to the, safe, the, the safety tree before it could get you. You, you had to go in and hide. Somebody would cover their eyes and not look at where you were hiding. And, and they would say, okay, I'm looking up. One, two, three. And they would look, yeah. And, and, and before you know it, everybody would be hiding. Now, now, we had some good hiding places in my neighborhood. We had some good hiding places. And I would always pick the same hiding place all the time. And they would never find me. And I was always able to be safe and get my way to the, the safety tree. You know, we had a, a base, a base. One, one of the trees on the block, we would call that the base. And if you could get and just touch your hand on that tree, then you were safe, and you were saved, and you were free. Sometimes we, we need to remember that all of us need to come out from wherever we are hiding. That the monster called the world and they that dwell therein, they are after you. Satan is after you to devour you, to eat up your flesh, and to make a mockery of your life and your children and your children after you. We want to be safe. I need to find that tree. I need to find that safe base, that, that tree that makes me know that I'm saved, that I'm kept, that I'm free. There was one day, they called it a Good Friday, when our Lord and Savior found a tree, and they nailed him to it. And he became the propitiation for our sins. So now all I've got to do is look up on the cross, see my Lord and Savior bleeding and dying for me, know that if I profess that, that image, that Christ, that truth is my Lord and Savior. I'm free. I'm saved. I'm born again. I can come and I can go and I can look you in the eye and you in the eye and them in the eye. All of us on the horizontal plateau. But most important, saints, we can look God in the eye. The Bible says, look to the hills from whence cometh your help. Knowing that all your help comes from above. I thank and praise God that they put Jesus on a tree one day. They hung him on a tree. The Bible says that they hung him from the ninth to the third hour. And the Bible says that he bled there. And the Bible says there in, in, in uh, Matthew 27, around verse 50, it says that Jesus, after all of the punishment, 
After all of the pain, after all of the humiliation, after all of the shame, you know, everything he took away from you, he put it on himself. So the shame that you feel, the humiliation, the wrong that you have felt, the injury that has been done to you, the time that has been stolen from your life, the years that you cannot replace, Jesus bore it all on the cross. So now we're safe in Jesus Christ alone. His blood has made us clean, has washed us and made us whole. And so today, we're going to celebrate once again that day that Jesus bled and died on the cross, actually Monday, Thursday, when Jesus had the Last Supper in the upper room with his disciples. And he said, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. So every time I come to the altar, every time I take the bread, I feast on it in my heart, and I remember that Jesus' body was broken for me, that all the disease and the sin and the brokenness that I feel, he has taken on to himself to deliver me from it and carry it as his own. And then we will take the cup and we will drink all of it. Don't leave anything in it. Drink it all to preserve your soul and your body to everlasting life. And remember that your soul has been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. It's never too late to come out from your hiding place because God sees you. He looks down from the heavens and the portals above and he sees us. But he has allowed Jesus to rip open the portals of heaven and to break open the doors of hell. As a matter of fact, Jesus has the keys of hell in his own hand. How you like being in your home and you don't even have a key to your own front door. Well, that's what Satan is. He has no key. Because our Lord and Savior has opened up the doors. You don't have to stay in the bondage and the hell that you may be experiencing. There is a way of escape. You are not alone. And this is why the church comes in so handy. Because the church is the body of believers who come together regularly to worship and serve the Lord Jesus Christ to praise him and to glorify him and to remember what he has done for us. It is in this body where we get our strength. It is in this place where we meet one another on the horizontal plateau and where we prepare ourselves to meet the Lord on the vertical plateau. Is your relationship right today? Are the beams of your life, the cross beam, horizontal? The vertical beam, are they strong? Are they in place? Are you anchored in the Lord? Is your salvation sure? Is there an issue in life that you need to pour out to God? Take off the fig leaf and let him see it. He can see it anyway. But when you take it off, it says to him, Lord, I offer myself to you.